We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is April 13th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is up? First episode in 50 episodes, or 49 probably, that there's no games that we're going to be recapping, Jonathan. Reading through the agenda tonight, there's no... I wouldn't necessarily say that, because we are going to mention one game. That is the Bulls getting schmacked right now, down 11 to the Raptors. That number's dwindling up since we saw it last. Yeah, a little bit. We'll see. We'll see how it is uh, once we get to the end of the episode. We'll, I'm sure we'll check again. But uh, but yeah, I it's weird not to have any games that we're really going to talk about magic related. But we do have a, a, a fun conversation for this episode that you guys have have read the title. You know, Jeff, Uncle Jeff Turner, Uncle Jeff joined joined us for I believe the third time now. So. Uh, Really entertaining conversation. I'm happy you guys are going to be able to listen to that one. It was a lot of fun. Some Penny Hardaway stories. Don't want to Mm. bury the lead here. Penny Hardaway stories at the end. A lot of fun. Uh, Obviously, we talked about the Magic season, just kind of the way that it went beginning to end, what needs to go right heading into next season. Really fun conversation with Uncle Jeff. Favorite foods. You know we like to talk about food. We got into the, the good eats around the league with Uncle Jeff. Really, really fun conversation. Yeah. Don't forget, folks, coming up on May 16th, we're just about a month away now. It's a Tuesday night, the night of the NBA draft lottery. We are having our, I don't want to call it annual because hopefully we don't have to do it again uh, for quite a while after this year, but we're having another draft lottery watch party, May 16th. That is a Tuesday night. Make sure that you clear your schedule, clear your calendar. We are, we feel like we're circling in on a venue, and if everything goes right, I don't want to give anything away. But this is going to be pretty big. So uh, we're looking forward to that. If you want to RSVP just to help give us an idea of how many people are going to be there, if you haven't RSVP'd already, go ahead and pause this episode really quickly. If you're listening on your phone or in the car, 
Uh, well, first of all, pull over if you're driving. We don't want you doing anything crazy on the road. But in this uh, podcast episode description, there's going to be an RSVP link for the Draft Lottery Watch Party. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll find that in the description as well. So go ahead. And if you're on YouTube, by the way, go ahead, like, subscribe, ring the notification bell, all that good stuff so that you're notified every time that we post a new episode. Again, that is going to be May 16th. It is a Tuesday night. So go ahead and clear your schedule now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, Luke, that we are heading into the offseason for our listeners who are maybe new to the show or uh, weren't listening or watching last offseason, we're going to continue with the episodes coming every Monday, every Thursday. We're going to have special guests like we do on this episode, and we'll get into you know breaking down each player's season uh, breaking down you know, Jamal Mosley and his uh, performance this year, but also plenty of pre-draft content as we get closer to the draft. So make sure that you're following us on social media, you're subscribed to us on your podcast feed, on YouTube, all that kind of stuff, Luke. But exit interviews uh, this uh, this week here, Monday, uh, were the exit interviews for the Magic. I got to, to sit down yesterday and, and watch all of them in their entirety. I think it's 19 total exit interviews between uh, the 17 players on the Magic roster, head coach Jamal Mosley, president of basketball operations Jeff Weltman. took me, I don't know, three, four hours to to get through all of it, Luke. Uh, But but yeah, what what is your overall take on exit interviews? Do you find them interesting? Are they boring to you? Is it just a bunch of stuff that you really already know? How do you feel about exit interviews? It definitely is a formality. But I think it has all to do with the scenario, like what type of season you had. I will tell you this. Last season, I didn't care about exit interviews. You and I maybe did an episode about exit with the exit interview stuff with that as content, but I didn't really care about the exit interviews. It's all about, you know, just getting better, improving, yada, yada, yada. This year, to conclude this season, we got a little more. We got a little more. There was more meat to it. I actually heard things and I was like, oh, I like that he said that. Or I like that they're thinking that way. You know? And and so I think that this year I cared. I went through and I watched a majority. Um, I know you sat down, you went through all of them. Had to make sure that there was nothing crazy being said by Kevon Harris, Sko, whatever it might bro. be. I do this. You are built different. I did not go through every single one of them. I went through a majority though, and yes, it it takes forever. So, um, so yeah, I got what I needed out of it from those exit interviews. I typed out some of my own, you know, things that stood out to me from those. I'm excited to talk about it. I think there's some good stuff. It kind of reiterates a lot of really good things for us, and uh, and, and kind of reaffirms what we already think about this team moving forward. I do like them. I find them interesting regardless of how the season goes, just because it's like that that last drop of orange juice. Like you, you, if you're a big orange juice guy, it's like, oh, this last drop that I'm going to get for six months, you know, I got to get my last bit of magic content. It's the last time that we're going to hear from most of these guys. Uh, you'll hear a little bit from Jeff and, you know, from, from Coach Mosley after the draft and leading up to Summer League, but for most of these guys, we're not going to hear anything from them other than social media until September. So I like to, you know, just because like you said, sometimes they they drop little nuggets there and let's let's kind of get into that. So I want to start with Jeff Weltman because he what he says at these things is really the most important, in my opinion. 
just a couple of things that that stood out to me that he said was um, addressing like how do we best prepare for the unknown. Talked about how the NBA landscape really changes on a on a daily basis. You have thirty teams. Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts. It could be tomorrow, and all of a sudden we hear X player is not going to resign, is going to enter into free agency, or this player is unhappy and is going to request a trade this offseason. Like stuff like that could change every day. And specifically for the Magic, Luke, as we get closer to the NBA draft lottery, it's kind of hard to fully prepare. You don't know where you're picking yet. So there's there is a lot of unknown that you have to be prepared for at any time. I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so too. I, I think that that's how this front office truly operates. Is like I don't know what it is, but we're going to come to the conclusion of what we want. And it's going to ha- and we can do it quickly. We can adjust. And then once we decide what we want, we're not wavering. We're not taking any BS. We're not taking anything we don't want. And that's how these guys are going to operate. So come draft time when there's picks, trades, things that can be made, and then free agency, as it's a sneaky, entertaining front office. We learned that last draft season. I know a lot of Magic fans are, you know, maybe they're not as, they're not too pleased with the Magic not being as aggressive and past free agencies. These guys are picking their spots. They They know what they want and when they want it, and they're going to make the decision that's best for the team. And we just don't understand all the time. And that's fine. But yeah, I, I do agree um, that, that that's that's pretty interesting there from him, from that standpoint. To your point about really mm-hmm. not knowing what this team is going to do, one of the clips from the exit interviews that's kind of circulating around Magic Circles is when Jeff Weltman was asked about needs, like what does this mm-hmm. team need? And the quote here is, clean basketball, consistency, maturity, shooting, goes on to say, more of what we did this year, and then we have a lot of needs. We're not that good. And for some reason, and present company included, there was a lot of confusion around like, okay, what is he actually saying? The thing that we have to remember about Jeff Weltman is he is never going to tip his hand. He's never going to give you an idea of what he's going to be doing. If he's saying, oh, we're going to prioritize shooting over everything else, you're Jeff will not give up any leverage. It doesn't matter if he's giving you 0.5% of the leverage that he has. He is not going to give you anything at all. And I do think as frustrating as it can be to Magic fans and to us covering the team and trying to figure out and inform listeners of what we think this team is going to do, that really is the best way to operate. But from what I took from that was they're going to be looking for smart players, good decision makers who are – you know, can shoot. Like, let's be honest. The entire league has been going in that direction for a long time. And if you don't have that, it's going to be impossible to compete at the highest level. So more of what we did this year, we already know what the framework is for what John and Jeff like. They like yeah. length. They like uh, positional versatility. They like mm-hmm. high IQ, good decision makers. And they're going to be looking for guys that shoot. Like, that's what I took from that little excerpt. Yeah, and to further that point, too, in terms of they're not going to tip their hand, but I don't really worry about it because I think, like I said, they've got a plan. And the one one quote that leads me to believe that is he said, we have an understanding of how we all get to the next step. 
And it's like, okay, talk to me, Jeff. I want to like, I, I, I love to hear that you guys, you're confident. And that's, that's just Jeff, like that good old Jeff. That's him. He, he's confident. He's precise. And he's going to get it done. And it, it might take a little longer than you hope, but he's going to get it done. Um, another thing that he talked about as well is um, he said, it's important that we become a destination for players. That was one of his quotes. And even though that is very obvious, it was still like I, like I said in the front end of the show, they, they reaffirmed things for me. You, he talked about the facility, the Advent Health Training Facility, and that being you know a place that people talk about it around the league. He knows that. It's a leverage thing. He, he's, he's collecting all of his pieces so that he can finally you know, do what he wants to do with this team and with the construction of this roster. But he understands by that quote, you know, they, they need to be attractive. You need to win games. You can't just develop forever. These guys started to learn how to win. Then you, he, he kind of put it all together in this interview. Talked about, you know, obviously you talk about the shooting quote. I talk about, you know, they know what they need to do to get to the next level, um, being attractive destination. Um, you know, all these sort of things. He did talk about, we have to grow our maturity level. And I'm, who knows? That's a very broad sense of the top of the, of the sentence. But to me, that could mean what's the easiest way to grow maturity level, Jonathan, you, you get older players, you get veterans, bring those guys in veteran shooters. That's all I want. And I think that you can easily increase that maturity level um, as well as, you know, as seasons go on, the current players you have are going to increase a maturity level as well. There's a lot of ways to take it, but as we do with most things, Jonathan, we're going to look into every little word and we're going to overanalyze. But that, I, I think that this was actually one of the more um, educational Jeff Weltman exit interviews or just press conferences availability in general. The fact that he was talking about, he was asked about assets and whether or not they feel like this is the most equipped that they've been heading mm -hmm. into an offseason since they've been here. Because if you remember, when they got here, the first several seasons were about evaluating what was currently on the roster and then making those decisions and kind of cleaning up the the mess that was the cap situation. You know, the Bismack Biombo contract was a was a huge issue. Um, I believe they ended up trading for Timothy Mozgov with that contract and then ended up uh, being able to get out of that due to like the career ending injury clause or something like that. And mm -hmm. then Evan Fournier, what was it? $17 million a year that Rob Hennigan gave him a fifth year player option that <laughs> obviously he was always going to opt into. Like mm -hmm. there were real issues here that it took, they just had to let it breathe. Like it, it, the house is on fire and before they could clean up the rubble, you got to let the house burn down to the ground. You know, it, it took mm -hmm. some time for them to get into a position where they could really start, putting their fingerprints and molding this team in the way that they wanted it. And he says he does think this is the quote unquote high water mark for us. And then, but that doesn't mean that we want to burn through it. So although they do have this you know, plethora of young talent and cap space and future picks coming up, that doesn't mean you go and you just spend that on whatever is available, you know, this off season and just kind of burn through that, that they're going to continue to be patient and conservative and make the the best decisions for this team. He also met with uh, Mike Bianchi on open mic on, I think that was Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember now, but listening back to that, 
And it was talking about how most of the guys on, on this team are, are still 20, 21 years old. And I do think it's a, a bit of a balance, Luke, because especially with Paolo and Franz, you have to show them that the organization is competent and is capable of building a competitive team around them. And you have to go in the direction of building a contender. But at the same time, we know that those guys really aren't going to be in their prime for another five, six, seven years. And really, that's when you're going to be looking at these guys as like, okay, unless you add like another star to this team, if you just continue to kind of organically grow this team, the team is going to have to grow into that. How frequently do you see a young team just kind of come out of nowhere and make a, a run to the finals and win the title? Pretty much never. It just doesn't really happen like that. Like you have to take your lumps along the way. You have to get experience. And I do think we've been talking about this team being really good in three or four years. I think a lot of that is going to depend on this draft and this summer. If they're able to get a high lottery pick or you're able to trade for like a star, obviously that's going to accelerate things quite a bit. But if you don't get that this offseason and you're just going to continue to evaluate and be like, all right, what are the best pieces to put around these guys? Maybe this takes a little bit longer than we might have thought. But if you're trying to build a team that's going to contend for hopefully multiple championships, I kind of err on the side of it's going to take as long as it's going to take. If you mm -hmm. tell me we have like a six-year stretch where we win two or three titles and you're competitive every year, you know what? If I've got to wait another year or two for that, I might be in the minority here, but I would be willing to do that. But this is also the thing that everything Jeff Weltman says, you want to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. And listen, I think this Magic fan base, after being unsteady or just consistently sucking for so long, this front office has more time than fans think they have. Like, and, and what I mean by that is that fans think, man, we need to, we need to win championships. We need to, we need to get there fast. We need to get there now. But I promise you after back-to-back -back seasons of 40 plus wins these next couple of years and it being in, whether it's the play in or the postseason, fans are going to be just fine with that. You suck for so long and fans are going to get a sense of stability that I don't even think fans know how long of a leash Jeff and John have from their own standpoint, like how long these the leash is from the fans perspective. So I think they will be, you know, we'll step into that season and people will be like, oh, man, this is really nice. I as long you as know, you continue to progress, I think that'll be the case. Of course. And that's what I'm saying, too. Like, I, I think that that is with the assumption that they are going to just continue to progress. But I think that just people are going to be just fine, more fine than they think with being in the first round a couple years in a row um, and, and maybe not making out of the first round two years in a row. But they'll just be happy to be there and I'll be happy to be there. And then you continue to, to get better and then you're talking, you're reaching primes in five, six years for Palo and Franz. And at that point, you have put the, the pieces around them. Um, whether that's through sign signing or, you know, guys that become that you draft that become suitable pieces. Maybe it's Caleb Houston in a few years. I don't know. Or it's just draft picks that you pick up along the way. But regardless, that that's kind of where I'm at after after listening to the Jeff Weltman interview. Um, I, I feel even more secure with with them at the helm. 
one of the bigger stories from the exit interviews was Jonathan Isaac obviously was asked about the, the injury, asked about his health. And he said, this is the first, sum- the first summer I've had to fully work. Goes on to say, hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll be full go. And then was asked about if he's going to be able to play at the beginning of next season. He said, everything looks a go to be ready for next season. And then closed with, I know there's so much more in me to be able to do. So that reassured a few things for me. We haven't heard, obviously, from Jonathan since the injury, but it assured me that he still wants to play basketball. He's still very interested in playing basketball, which, listen, if he wasn't, who could blame the kid after everything that he has been through? Uh, but when we did our WebMD research after this injury, kind of the the best possible case for this type of injury that requires surgery is that they're back to full activity within six to eight weeks, and that's exactly the the timetable that Jonathan Isaac was talking about you know six to eight weeks from the injury he's going to be back to being able to do everything which is super encouraging I still think you've got to be very cautious in just kind of counting on the fact that he will be able to stay healthy I think you really have to be conservative in your approach there but I am a little bit optimistic I I can't help but admit (laughs) that I don't know about you yeah I mean it's just nice to hear that he's talking about having a full, you know, that rehabbing. He's he studied rehabbing is what he said. Um, and then, yeah, talking about, you know, having a full offseason to prepare. I, what else can you say about that? You're just relieved that he's going to be most likely playing basketball to start the season. We might be getting Jonathan Isaac in the preseason. That'd be, that'd be nice. That'd be nice to to add that alongside whatever we do this off season, and you just continue to operate like you like we did this past season, which is like Jonathan Isaac is just the cherry on top. If you get the cherry, you get the cherry. If you don't, is what it is. You still have a Sunday, but I love a cherry. So let's I'm get not him. a big cherry guy, admittedly. But if it was Jonathan Isaac, that is never mind. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on here. Um, one of the players that I was impressed the most by during the exit interviews was Cole Anthony. He was mm-hmm. asked a couple of things like what contributed to the in-season turnaround. And he said their belief system in each other. And we talked a little bit about this with uncle Jeff later in the episode, but this team's chemistry and the way that they talk about one another, you heard it almost from everybody. You heard it from Franz Wagner. You heard it from Cole Anthony. You heard it from Moritz Wagner. You heard it from Jalen Suggs. You heard it from Markel. You heard it from Gary Harris, just the closeness that they have you know, in the in the locker room and on this team. And what they always say is like, we have a group that is not normal at all. And Cole Anthony talking about like their belief system in each other. And because they do love each other so much and believe in one another, like they, they just kept the course and they knew how close they were during the, you know, nine game losing streak during the five and 20 start. We kept hearing them reiterate, like we're, we're really close. We're really close. We're not there yet, but we're really close. And you and I were sitting here like, what do you mean you're freaking close? You're five and 20. Like the team is terrible. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the rest of the way, you're a little bit better than 500. So that was like really awesome to hear. And then of course, Cole was asked about, you know, the success that he had this season, his, you know, his role coming in off the bench. He said, I found something that works for me to allow me to find a level of consistency. And then added, it was just about accepting that role. He feels like a big part of that was also health said it was awesome to stay healthy and that he found a pretty good rhythm. And the last thing that I have here on Cole 
uh, in terms of like accepting that six man role long term. He said, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this team. Then said, I think we have a really bright future here. And I think I can be a big part of that. So, Luke, just super impressive, like the maturity level from Cole Anthony after his third year in the league here. Obviously, the best season that he's had so far. You and I talked about early on, like, is Cole going to accept this six man role? Because early on, it was like, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm a starter in this league, but this is my role right now. And I don't know if his belief that he's a starter in the league is changing, but at least as long as he's here in Orlando, if being in that role is what is best for the team and what a lot of us think is probably ultimately best for Cole, uh, it's just awesome to see the way that he's really totally like fully embraced that and also realizes that it contributed to his ability to perform well and stay consistent. Yeah, and and he did go on at one point there to to say like I want to be out there and I want to start. So there there is that aspect, although I do genuinely think that he will for the foreseeable future do what it takes for this team to win. Now, I that is not to say that I believe that after two more years of being off the bench that Cole Anthony's going to be happy with it if he's shooting efficiently averaging double digits and points five six rebounds a game four five assists a game that is not to say that i think that he is going to be content i don't think he's content um but i think that like you said as of now he's he's helping the team win we will see as the magic continue to add pieces i just think perspective changes cole did an incredible job the end of the year here and and accepting that six man six man role um but uh We'll see, and and I I do think that he did show a lot of maturity in the exit interview. Um, we will just see, you know, how far that carries and and what happens. But I we talked about it. I hope that he stays as long as he is fully bought into helping the team win how they need to. And uh, I think as well as I alluded to and said last episode, I think he thrives being the guy in the lineup, and I think he needs to be the guy with that bench unit, be the leader and be the, the Markel Fultz to that bench unit. So, and you know, he talked about that too. He talked about the, the camaraderie and how Markel and him push each other and Jalen Suggs as well. And so I, I think that there's a lot of good that's coming out of it, that the, the competition at that guard position. And I, I hope it continues to, to, you know, trend upward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And Luke, as we're recording this, about 921, the Bulls have just tied it up in the fourth quarter. So we may have to walk back some of that uh, smack we were talking earlier. But anyways... Another thing that that really stood out to me um, was Moritz Wagner. Uh, he basically was asked about the outside perception of the Magic and whether or not like that is changing. And he said he was talking to Duncan Robinson, um, mm-hmm. and the fact that like teams do know like the Magic have an identity. He said it really shows up what we're doing, uh, and then goes on to say uh, this year there wasn't really pressure, but now we've shown we can win a little bit, and it doesn't get easier. So the fact that teams do know like the Magic have a way to play and there wasn't pressure going into this year because you were so bad last year and you're such a young team. But now that they've shown that they can do some winning, you know, over the last 57 games, I believe there were one game over 500. I think it was 29 and 28. If my math is correct, which would be a miracle, by the way. But like you've shown that you can win. You have to pick up right where you left off, like going into next season. Yeah. Also, side note, if Mo Wagner said that he was having that conversation with Duncan Robinson two years ago, I'd be like, just tell Duncan, we'd love to have him. We would love to have him. As a starter on the Heat, he did well. He shot well, but I, this last year has been something to forget for him. So, falling out of rotation, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I yes, I, I think that that's something that a lot of people talked about you know, as far as their interviews go. Um you know, with, with Franz talking about, you know, hearing from guys who've been on other teams, you know, what we have as a group is not normal at all. It just kept getting reiterated that it is, this is not normal. Um, this type of chemistry is not only a great thing, but it's unusual. And that all ties back into what, you know, Jeff was talking about, where he said it's important to become a destination for players. That is how you become a destination. We talk about it with with JT as well, just what that means, how that plays into everything, um, and and being something that maybe veteran guys want to be a part of that type of atmosphere. So, yeah, I mean, it's it it is real, and it's just great to continue to hear that that's the case. You know, you kind of have that thought process, Jonathan, of like too good to be true, and you're just waiting like at one point for them to stop talking about how good the chemistry is, but it just doesn't stop, and it's been incredible to see that. They've been able to do that, especially leading into this season where everyone also is talking about the playoffs now. That's the goal for next year. Wendell talked about it, all that. That it's nice to know that those things are kind of coinciding. Great team chemistry is being able to build momentum, get wins, and continue that into next year. Mo Wagner also was kind of asked about, you know, returning to Orlando next season. He almost had a half second like realization of like, oh yeah, I'm 
I'm actually not under contract, you know, heading into next year. And he said, I really love this team. I love these guys. And then he said, either way, I'm super involved in how this organization will do. So obviously, if he's not here, if he's playing somewhere else, Franz is still here. So he's still going to be invested in, you know, how the organization does and obviously loves so many of the guys in the locker room. I want Mo back. Like whether or not Mo Wagner is going to be the third, second or third center next year, whatever, even if he doesn't play. He's been in the year in the league, I think five years. So like I, that, that's kind of like you're not really a young guy anymore, but you're also not really Cleaner. considered a vet. I, I think as he grows into being a veteran the next couple of years here, like his mindset, I think is so and hit the the perspective that he's able to have and kind of see the big picture at all times, I think is so important for a young team like regardless if he's Franz's brother, like that is a massive bonus in that if I was Jeff Weltman would heavily go into my thinking on whether or not I'm going to bring this guy back. But just the way, like the level headedness that Mo always, always has is, is so refreshing to me. And I, it's probably my favorite thing about him. Like chippiness aside, he brings a great edge to the floor. Just the level headedness that as we say, chippiness, I mean, He's usually not the guy that is seemingly getting out of hand. He's just making other guys kind of get pushed over that edge. And he's like, hey, what's what's going on here? We're just kind of <laughs> hooping. Why are you getting so mad? But I, I just love Mo Wagner, and I, I do hope that he's back next year. Yeah, I agree. Jalen Suggs obviously was asked about the offseason and uh, what's the biggest thing you know for him going into the, the summer healthy here. Said he's just ex- excited to be able to hoop, um, and then asked about what went into his improved shooting consistency. Uh, you know, towards the end of the season, he said consistent work and noted that going from twenty one percent last year to thirty two point seven, which he tried to round up to thirty three. By the way, he said is big time. So obviously, you and I have talked about this a ton this off season, maybe really bigger than like anyone you know this this offseason I don't think it's it's bigger for anyone than it is for Jalen Suggs and him just kind of locking himself into a gym and coming back as at least a league average three-point shooter next season yeah I I think that you know Jalen Jalen said what we've already talked about with him you know I I don't think there's much more to add I I I hope he does continue to improve that is an incredible three-point jump um he He's he's getting to the point where Jonathan, he's he's a game shooter. Oh my goodness! Have we ever have we ever like unveiled that on the podcast? Does anybody do they even know what we're talking about? Did I say it on the podcast? I can't remember. No, it was definitely it was at first absolutely definitely in texts mm. where you were like, actually no, you might have you might have mentioned it on the podcast where like he might just be a, a practice shooter. Yeah, and then from that point forward. Anytime Jalen hits a couple of threes, I'm in our group chat like game shooter or no, I'll I'll quote practice shooter to try to yeah. mock Luke. But I would agree at this point he might he might be a game shooter. He, he he might be and and like you said, you were mocking him at that point. I think it was a little premature and you were joking and it was in jest because he still had a terrible three point percentage at that point early in the season. But uh, but yeah, he stepped his game up. Listen. I, all of our listeners know, I don't really need to say this again, but I'll say it again. Um, I have done the full 180 when it came to, to Jalen. You've had your come to Jalen moment. 
my come to Jalen moment. It, listen, guys, if you don't believe me, go check out my Twitter profile picture. It has been changed to when we had Jalen Suggs on the on the pod on draft oh night last gosh, year. Of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. And it's That's it's awesome. Uh, me talking to Jalen on on the podcast. I'm yeah, all I'm, in. I'm conveniently cropped out of that photo, by the way. It didn't look good. All right. I did it initially yeah. with all, all right. of us. And then I was like, it's too wide for the timeline. So I had to, right, had to right, get it a right. little tighter. They know you're there. They know you're there. You're always there. Right. Uh, Caleb Houston was asked about his offseason work, and he said his biggest fo- focus is going to be shooting the ball, shooting movement threes, and then reading closeouts. So that's like really Caleb is just like, yo, I'm just going to be a 3 and D guy. And that's what we've talked about from day one with Caleb, where the results have been a little bit inconsistent. But for a young guy drafted in the second round who you thought like is going to come in and be like, you know what, I'm a second round pick, but I'm going to show these guys what I really can do. Caleb was like, no, I got signed to a a four year, eight million dollar deal. And I'm for the next 12 years in this league, I'm going to be a three and D wing like that is going to be my role in this league. I'm going to start embracing that and working on that from day one and Caleb's words in his exit interview tell me just that Caleb's like I know who I am I know what I'm going to be in this league I'm going to work on shooting the ball movement threes and reading closeouts off the three-point line and he'll play in summer league by the way that that was another big takeaway that That was Caleb is going to play in summer league Paolo I would venture to guess will not no point absolutely no point maybe a game Let's just just shoot no. that thing, stroke that thing, Kazo. Just get out there, don't just play at twenty percent, and just just I want him to just dame range the whole game. I don't care. Do whatever you want. You're Paolo Bancaro. Some notes from Markel Fultz was asked about his higher release point, and he said part of it was just effort. Mm-hmm. That it's about getting the reps of doing it in the game, and then he also said. Best believe you'll be seeing that all next season. Mm-hmm. So he he talked that he kind of had to like rewire his thinking in terms yeah. of like, all right, how can I get to the rim, draw fouls, make plays for other guys? It's like, you know, like I need to start shooting this shot. He's like, I worked on it all off season. I worked on it a lot. I know I can make that shot. So, I mean, we, we, we saw it at multiple times you know, this season. Most notably, you know, that last game against the Heat, like the pull up three off the dribble without even thinking about it, nothing but net. Mm-hmm. And the release point, I don't want to say like it is back to Washington because like I, I don't even think it's like super close, but it is the best that we have seen it since the trouble started happening in Philadelphia. And that is super encouraging. And it's like, how much more can that improve? Like, how much closer can we get? that release point to University of Washington or Philadelphia rookie year summer league Markel Fultz. Yeah. yeah. And it, there's a couple things from that and the same thought from Markel, right? Like he stated he, he worked on his perimeter game last summer, which to us, the first, I don't know, half the season or whatever it might've been with him. That sounds crazy. Cause it was like, no, you didn't. You're not even taking them. And then we're getting to the point where he's doing that. And he did talk about, you know, his, I don't know why it kind of clicked for me in this way, but he talked about it as changing habit. And I think that like, I don't know what it is, but when, when you talk about maybe changing play style, it just seems like, oh yeah, just change your play style. Like flip the switch, 
do what you need to do, change your play style. Easy. But when he talked about it like habits, I just thought about like habits that I have in general that like I take biting my fingernails. I ain't never shaking that habit. That's the now, first one that came to mind. Does I'm said never shaking. Like, yep. I'm I'm never shaking it. And and like with Markel, you think of this game as if he's trying to break a really hard habit where he is now since he didn't have that perimeter shot the last you know few years getting in. He's been in the habit of getting to the rim drawing contact dishing it out to other guys penetrating pitch scoring from the post whatever it might be right getting the mid-range but he now has been changing his habit and a habit continues to break and you get out of that and he's doing that he is getting to the point where he's able to do that i hope that he has some runs over the offseason where that's all he focuses on is not just getting to the to the rim and not just getting to that mid-range spot, using reps to to shoot as I know he will from the perimeter, like he did last season. But the difference is he's got game reps now, so those habits are being shaped and they're being formed in new ones that will continue to benefit this team. If he can continue to do that, be a willing three-point shooter, um, pull up, catch and shoot, any situation, you know Markel can let it fly. That is a game changer. And quite frankly, I think it's a franchise changer if he is able to do that and put that together. Markel is another guy who had a huge increase in three-point percentage. Basically, like eight points different. Like 23 last year, 31%. Yeah. That's not nothing. Like That is yeah. legitimate. Markel, give us four more percentage points. Like get to 35%, and I, I agree. That is, a, that is a franchise changer because then the fair questions around what is Markel's long-term fit alongside Paolo, alongside Franz? It gets a lot easier to answer that question if Markel is at all a reliable three-point shooter. Yeah. I think that it, that would make a world of a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Markel was asked if the Magic need to make the playoffs last year. Basically gave like a one-word answer to start. He said, absolutely. Super encouraging. We'll talk about Wendell Carter here. Wendell Carter was asked basically the same thing. Like, what is the standard for success next year for the Magic. And he said one word, playoffs. That's where the Magic need to be. Uh, Markel, not Markel, Wendell, the the L sound here, uh, was asked about uh, what is going to be a next step for the Magic. And he talked about accountability is another area where they can take a jump. said, I think being able to hold each other accountable to a whole other level would be a next step for us. And he made the point to say, not that they don't take things seriously, but that is something that they can still improve on, that they can tighten things up a little bit. And then being asked about health, he said, that's all. That's really all I want for this team. I think we'll be straight. Like not even talking about, do we need to tweak the roster? Like, do we need to add this? Do we need to get more of this? Do we need to improve this? He said, we just really need to be healthy. And you could say like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Like every team could say that. But when you look at the Magic, especially as soon as they got healthy, they were a 500 basketball team. And as these guys continue to improve, and they will, 500 over the course of a season is 42 wins. If you improve on that a little bit, why can't they be a you know, 45, 46, 47 win team next year? If everything goes right, we've talked about, hey, the Magic have an outside shot of winning 50 games next year. If everything goes right. But uh, super encouraging everything. to hear that out of the win daddy. Yeah, yeah. Always love to hear from the wind daddy. I listen, man, I just cannot emphasize enough 
how refreshing it is that these guys are just talking about the postseason. That they're they're talking that that we're getting to finally hear these guys say from an at an off really this is the off season right at this point you're talking about the future to hear these guys say from the jump playoffs that's the goal especially you know what when words you, we didn't hear at all these exit interviews mm. learning and development I'm yeah. pretty sure those words were completely eliminated during these exit interviews thank God. Thank God, because I listen, man, to have Wendell and Markel both just very intentional talking about the playoffs. So refreshing. Those are your emotional leaders on this team, in my opinion. Um, you know, aside from your call Anthony's and stuff like that, there's a lot of emotional leaders on this team. And I think as well as just leaders in general to hear them say that uh, is is great. It's awesome. It's all you could ever want as a fan who you've gone through the seasons we have. And I'm pretty sure that like everybody was talking about the playoffs in terms of next season, like whether it was like we need to make the playoffs or like as we work towards making the playoffs like that, like the, the, the thinking around this team, you can see is shifting in a real way. And it's encouraging not only from like, okay, now we have the talent to really take this seriously, but like. We, let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. We've had to question the the motives and mm-hmm. the uh, the goals of this organization the last few years. And I don't like next year. That should not be the case. Like we should be able to just call it what it is next year. If we're not good enough, it's because the team's not good enough. Like yeah. it shouldn't be. Oh, they're tanking. They're doing this. They're doing that. Like no. Like that should be gone after this season. And then I saved really the the best for last. Obviously, Paolo Bancaro. Really, the, the thing that stood out the most to me from Paolo was he was asked about uh, his expectations for the rookie season mm-hmm. and kind of how he feels about that. And he says he met them. He said, I wouldn't say that I you know exceeded them, but I, I met them. Like, this is where I thought I was going to be. And as good as he has been, it's kind of crazy for a 20-year-old to say that. Like, yeah, I thought I was going to be rookie of the year, and I thought I was going to have one of the best rookie seasons of, like, the last 30 years. Yeah, absolute crazy level of confidence to be able to say that. He's a stud, man. He, uh, I'm, I'm so pumped to see what he's able to do, man. Long term, he's gonna be a problem, and uh, he's got the confidence. He just needs to work on a few things here and there. Maybe get that free throw percentage up, and uh, obviously, give me all the three point shooting you can give me. But and and maybe the one of the bigger things is like not to be just searching for calls and, uh, and, and you work on a couple of those things this summer and take it from there, man. I, he's going to be a problem. When Jamal, Jamal Mosey was asked about Paolo and like what he can improve on this summer. He said, he told Paolo, like just right now, focus on like one or two things. Like don't Mm -hmm. get in the gym and be like, Oh, I have to improve on everything. Even though you do like find the, the most important things to improve on and do that for me, it, it is going to be, Free throw shooting and jump shooting for Paolo. If yeah. he comes back and you know is able to up those numbers, you know five percent each, that'll be a massive win for the Magic. You can add another you know five or six points per game onto his scoring total for next year if he's able to be a little bit more efficient in those areas. No doubt. So I mean, Paolo just needs to continue on the Paolo trajectory, and everything is going to be just fine. All right, that's enough about the exit interviews. In a moment here, we're going to get into our interview with Uncle Jeff. 
Jeff Turner. But before we do that, want to give a special shout out to our patrons. If you haven't heard of our Patreon community yet, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help financially support the show. We shout out our brand new patrons whenever we have them. In this episode, we do have a new patron. Shout out to Art Ellswig, who joined our all-star patron level uh, at the annual level. So just went ahead and paid for the entire year. Art, welcome to the Patreon community. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, Hope we'll see you in the Discord. As an all-star patron, you do have access to our Discord community. And then we shout out our Hall of Fame and our Elite Tier patrons on every episode, each and every one of them. Let's start with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Normal, Magic Player History, Julio, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave, It's Not OKK, Deseo Kiki, Pierre A, Migzors, Nostalgia, and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Freakin', Sean 177, Bulby the Dawn, Himlo, Ban Himro, RM Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Hit 714, Let's Spank, Don't Tank, Soft Taco, Jesse, Johnny B, Fuego Nando, Phantom 72, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Bull Bull, his first name is his last name, and only Franz. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons and all of our patrons. Find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Let's get into the interview with Uncle Jeff, Jeff Turner. And now we are joined by a very special guest, Jeff Turner. We caught up with Jeff the first quarter of the season after uh, the second quarter or the first half of the season. We figured we would give him a little bit of a break from us uh, during the all-star break, but he's back to join us to recap the season. Mr. Turner, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I haven't completely gone out of uh, my uh, magic broadcast mode. You know, you waited a little bit longer. I'd, I'd have been done for you. So I'm uh, you're catching me at the right time here. I'm still still very excited about what we accomplished this season. Definitely, Jeff. I want to ask you because the, the magic just had their exit interviews a couple of days ago for broadcasters. Do you all go through any type of exit interview with like the production team? Like, Hey Jeff, this is what we want you to work on this season. Like, is <laughs> it anything like that for uh, broadcasters? <laughs> no, you know what we will usually, um, we'll debrief a little bit. Um, we might do a zoom call like this, uh, just to kind of debrief. Um, and then throughout, it's funny throughout the summer and everything, we'll come up with different things. Hey, I was thinking about this. That's really, you know, kind of through that, that's how is this anything was, uh, kind of created just, uh, mm. you know, David up at his cabin in North Carolina with nothing to do, Thought you know, <laughs> I'm talking with his kids and, uh, um, you know, just kind of came up with that idea. So we'll, we'll come up with some other things. We'll tweak some things obviously, but, uh, um, you know, it's, we, we kind of got a nice little thing going here, you know, so it's, uh, we don't, we don't do too much. There's not a whole lot of criticism or anything like that. We, it's funny because I don't know, um, not to get off on a tangent, but how many other teams do that? We, we meet, uh, pretty regularly during this season, even on non game days, uh, on game days, we'll meet every morning to kind of hash out what we're going to do for the show that night. And, um, 
and Ty Easton, our producer, gives David and I and, and Dante as well a lot of a lot of say in uh, what we do on air, uh, the different elements and everything. We have a lot of input on that, so that makes it that makes it fun. You kind of own it that way, uh, rather than you know. I know a lot of producers will just say, "Hey, here's what we're doing," um, you know, and, and they may do it right before the game. You know, you guys have been to games, been in the media room and seen, you know, production teams meeting opposing production teams. So uh, we've got a really nice thing and we're in constant contact all season long. You obviously, Jeff, you know, you talk about you guys game plan that morning. Um, We know that, that you guys have a lot of great banter throughout these games and you keep us entertained. And one of the things that you guys do is uh, specifically this season is talking about the location of where you and David are <laughs> in these arenas. So right. my question for you is uh, sometimes they tuck you guys away where, yeah. where nobody can really see you. Is there a specific arena that does their best to make sure the away broadcast team gets put all the way into the janitor's closet? Um, I, you know, the last game uh, of the season in Miami, it's really Right now, it's probably one of the worst. I mean, you, you, even the camera angle when you see us, you know, the cameras from down below and we're, we look like where's Waldo looking over the top of our monitors. Um, that one, you know, uh, Washington and Philly, you're kind of stuck up in a corner uh, as opposed to being midcourt. Um, you know, it's funny, even some of the, the floor locations now, um, are, are getting tougher because they're really squeezing a lot of fans. You know, those are valuable seats. I get it from a, you know, a, a revenue standpoint, but there, there are places where we are on the floor. We're down next to the, to the magic bench, but there are actually people sitting, um, next to us that are, are they're, they're, they're actually out closer to the floor than we are. So if they stand up or anything, we're completely blocked out. So, um, you know, we got a lot of practice during uh, the pandemic doing games off of monitors. And sometimes mm-hmm. I find us, um, you know, looking, calling off the monitor more than uh, actually being able to see the game. So um, there are some, there are some tough ones that, you know, Golden State is, uh, you know, that brand new building, They've got this great little, you're, you're like in a football broadcast booth. Like you've got your own little booth, but you're so far away from the floor. You know, it's, uh, it just makes it, it hard. You feel kind of disconnected. I'm, I'm all about being on the floor for me. I think mm-hmm. it's better because, you know, then I can kind of, I can hear the officials talk. I can ask them questions. I can, you know, I can see the players up close. I can, you know, see their facial expressions if they're frustrated things like that. I, I think, um, you know, and, and I, the NBA knows how all the broadcasters feel about being up off of the floor. So I'm not, uh, breaking any news here, but I, I really think that, uh, they've done the broadcasts an injustice by moving us, you know, there, that, I mean, uh, you know, there are some great broadcasters in the league and they do, you know, and everybody does what they, you know, is the best that they can do in those situations. But, um, you know, it's just a whole different dynamic when you're when you're up off the floor and you're away from the action. Well, I would, at least in my opinion, I don't think 
your broadcast suffers at all. Like if that's the case that you feel like, you know, you can't do your job to the best of your abilities. I I, I can't speak for, for uh, Luke and, and Kevin here, uh, but I don't, I don't notice that. I don't feel like, you know, it degrades the broadcast at all. If you all don't have a, that great of a vantage point. Uh, I think that just speaks to how great you both are at, at your job. I have a, another arena related question. I'm a big food guy. Luke's a big food guy. I know when you guys are on the road, you're big food guys. Do you ever, you know, take a little nibble, you know, during one of these games, like what arena in your opinion has the best concession food? Well, it's interesting because uh, one of the things, the fallout from, you know, the way things have changed over the last few years um, during the pan, I guess the year after uh, the pandemic, um, the, a lot of the teams don't provide a Arena media meal uh, anymore. So there's no place to go. So they give you a voucher to go up on the concourse uh, somewhere, which is, you know, which you would think is a really good thing. But the the problem is, is, you know, when you've got to do all your pre-programming stuff and, you know, like I've got to be a seven o'clock game, I've got to be down on the floor by 630 to do my pregame hit with Dante and, uh, you know, the studio Um, at six o'clock, the doors are already open to the arena. So, here we are, David and I are with our little vouchers going up and we're battling for concessions. With you don't even know which ones are the good ones. I have no idea. We're, we try to find something that's really close. Um, but yeah, we've had some good one. Toronto actually uh, is pretty good. Toronto has a, what is that? It's a, um, it's a prime rib sandwich that's quite tasty. That is very near the uh, broadcast location. Do a little uh, horseradish with that or no? A little horseradish, okay. absolutely. All right, now absolutely. we're talking. There you go. Um, you know, the if, if they've got a uh, Chick-fil-A, that's an easy one, right? You can just grab and mm-hmm. go with that. The big thing is then where do you eat your food, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you grab and go. Um, got, got mm-hmm. Exactly, right? It, the problem with going back to your broadcast location is um, that – you, you've got all your stuff out there. You don't want to spill anything or get crumbs everywhere. Um, and then the other part of that, we learned this the hard way, was one night we were sitting, I think we were in Milwaukee, actually. They're, they're one of the teams. And we're sitting there at the table and we're eating our chicken fingers or whatever was easy and French fries. And David's uh, one of David's kids texted him and said, uh, Dad, I'm sitting here watching you guys. It was a satellite feed. And they were, and, and the camera was just on us. The cam- you're always on camera. You know? mm-hmm. The camera was just on us on a satellite feed. And there David and I were, we were just feeding just our face. Slamming so, it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you can't go back to the table because uh, somebody's got a camera on you somewhere. So um, small problem, I know. But uh, that Toronto uh, primer of sandwich, that, that would have to be the top of the. Um, of the media voucher list for me. I will say the magic still feed all the media members. So shout yeah. out to the magic for that. And let's yep. bring the conversation back to the magic. Now, Jeff, this the is five so and 20 fun, star. <laughs> it is. It, we could do this all day. We could do this all day, but we I will know. get comments in our YouTube. Like, Hey, the, the magic talk, talk, you know, starts around this time and we'll get time stamped. <laughs> Sometimes gotcha. we just try to have some fun and people hate fun. I guess. I understand. 
But to a season that, for the most part, was very fun. Again, the five and twenty start. You end up the rest of the way, basically five hundred basketball. Jeff, what has you the most excited about this team as we move into the off season and then into next season? Oh boy, I think John, a couple of things. I, I think you know, number one, I, I felt like we got a good long stretch, about sixty games, I guess. Uh, not quite that many, I guess. 50, 55 games um after that uh after that start that we were that we were whole pretty much right other than you know the couple of suspensions and some things um you know we were pretty whole and when you saw that and the potential of what this team could be um that kind of gets you a little bit excited i mean you, you go you know we were using that december 7th which was after the 20 and or the 5 and 20 start um, all season and you look at what the team was able to do having, you know, a little bit, I guess, a game over, uh, 500, uh, in that stretch. Um, that's pretty good for a young team to be able to, uh, to, to put that together. Um, I really, you know, one of the other things I really like, I love the chemistry of this team, uh, to be so young, um, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're NBA players. They're going to have egos and everything, but, uh, for the most part, they put everything aside for for each other. Um, I think that's that that's been a positive. And you know, I guess the thing that excites me probably the most is um, you know the the outlook for the future. I, I you know going down the stretch, um, you know, and playing meaningful games uh, to the last week of the season. I think that was huge for this team. And so I, you know, my biggest thing I'm excited for is what are the first, uh, first month and a half of the season, you know, like last, you know, this past season, we were five and 20. What's it going to look like uh, when we come back? You know, we'll, I think the guys will bring that competitive spirit. Um, I know, I, I, you know, the defense, you know, Jamal Mosley has been a, you know, kind of a defense first guy. And I thought that carried over between the two years, at least once we got healthy, I think it even got, it got better. Um, but man, you know, we went from a team two years ago that averaged 103 points a game to a team that averaged, you know, 111. Now everybody's scoring was up, but um, you know, there was a, almost an eight uh, point increase there. The shooting was up the numbers and so I think those are all things you can build on. Um, and then I'm kind of a, you know, a numbers nerd. David makes fun of me because I really, you know, not really a numbers nerd. I always tell people the, the key to the game is you got to outscore. You score more points than your opponent and you win. Sure. And so, you know, that, that whole net rating, you know, net plus minus, you know, that thing really closed the gap, right? We went from, you know, a, a minus eight plus points uh, to at the end of the season, from a rating standpoint, we got it under two, uh, you know, which is which is a nice number. That means you know your uh, your offense is clicking better than your defense uh, on most nights. So that that's all. Those are all good numbers, and I think point to um, reasons this you know our, this franchise and the fan base should be very excited uh, moving forward. You mentioned the momentum 
that you think that they're going to continue with, you know, the fierceness that they had, um, you know, the end of the season here, you know, the last really half of the season, more than half, maybe um, to definitely more than half to coming into next season. Um, as far as that goes, you played, obviously, you know how this goes probably way more than we do, but would you rather have a start there where you're on fire the first three fourths of the season and then you kind of collapse near the end? Or would you prefer <laughs> a scenario like this for, you know, for the perspective of going into the next season? Yeah, that, that's, that's fair. Um, I, you know, I, I think we certainly can't do what we did this year. Right. Like, I mean, you're, you, you dug yourself a hole. I think after you know, the first time we talked at the quarter pole, um, you know, I, I wasn't real sure we were even going to be close. Uh, you know, when you, when you dig that big a hole, um, you know, I, I think I, as far as what the record is coming out, I, I do think I'd like, especially for this young team, I would like them to come out of the gate strong, um, you know, just to, just to have some success to build some momentum, uh, early, uh, and then kind of ride that. But it's going to be important that they, you know, they have to get better as the season goes on. There's no question about that. Um, but I, I would like for them to be a 500 or better team, you know, getting into no, you know, into uh, middle December, you know, as you as you're approaching the Christmas break and and things like that. I, I think that will that'll be important to them. Jeff, a little bit ago, you mentioned the team's chemistry, and you know, we just had the exit interviews a common thread throughout, you know, the guys having their, their different interviews. If it was, you know, Mo Wagner or, you know, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, really whoever was asked, they all talked about how special the dynamic is in the locker room. And, and Mo Wagner, especially, you know, he said, I, I try to tell these young guys cause he's played for different teams right. saying that what they have is, is not normal. Like this normally does not happen. And why do you think that is? What, like, what is it about this team in particular that makes it special? I think it starts with their head coach. I think it starts with Jamal Mosley. I, you know, he's just, um, I, I love his demeanor um, with the guys, his way of communicating with them, his honesty, his transparency. Um, you know, he's, he's their biggest cheerleader. Uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he never gives up on them. I mean, I made the comment in the in the Miami game, right? Like, you know, the second half, it was pretty much, you know, it was the end of the bench, right? It, you know, it's it's Kevon and uh, Admiral and you know and and Goga. It's just all the guys that they're the the last players on the bench, and then the game meant nothing, right? Uh, he was up the entire. He didn't change. He was the same, right? He's up. He's standing. He's running up and down. He's coaching them. He's, you know, I mean, he is, you know, right now he's there. He provides their energy. Um, and so I think that, and then his coaches follow along. You know, if you talk with, you know, any of the coaches um, on that bench, whether they're on the you know front row or back row, um, they all talk about Jamal, you know, that he's, it's him, you know, he brings them all together. He won't let them, um, he won't let them split internally. He won't let issues fester or anything like that. Um, he just kind of jumps on things. I think when you have a leader that's so selfless and does those things, 
Um, I think it kind of, you know, goes down through the players, uh, the coaching staff and into the players. Um, they're just, uh, it's just an amazing group that, that all root for one another. And, and Mo Wagner's right. It doesn't happen. Um, you know, everybody's competitive. Everybody thinks that they should be on the floor. Um, but this group, um, this, you know, despite all that manages to keep it together and they're just as excited, you know, um, for anybody else on the floor as they are themselves. And that's something, you know, just to, as well, like Gary Harris harped on that too. He was talking about how with Mosley, his door's always open. Then they're an open book. And I, yeah. obviously that can go a very long way with the team. We also talk about the chemistry, not just like coach to player, but player to player and how it does start with Jamal. But at the same time, these personalities have to go together. You you can love your boss as much as you want, <laughs> but you, you might not like that coworker. Um, and if these guys, if anybody doesn't like each other, they do a great job of hiding it. They're very professional at as young as they are. Do you know, Jeff, if they do like if the magic or if it's an NBA thing, do they do like personality tests? Because I know like I go into a job now and they that's the first thing they do. Hey, what are you on the Enneagram? What do what, have you taken this personality test? Let's get you right. see how you mesh with your with your coworkers. Do you think there's any type? And that's a genuine question. Like, do you think that there's any type of personality testing that takes place with NBA teams in general? Oh, look, I, I, I mean, I, I know for sure that's part of the, uh, the NBA draft process, right? Mm-hmm. They, you know, they go through a whole battery of uh, a test, you know, when they meet, um, you know, that's, that's all part of it. Um, and then I think it's, you know, the, the work that you do when you bring a player in, um, I think Jeff Weltman in particular is very, sensitive when he brings in, whether it's a draft pick or a free agent, um, he wants, he, he wants to have a good feel about how they're going to mix with everybody else. Um, and so I think that's a, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, and they're, you know, their personalities, uh, you know, they're just, I think probably, and, and I, I could be wrong on them. This is just me, but, when you have a young group, right, that it, they're, they're so young and, um, you know, as Mo Bonger says, you, you, you haven't played for a lot of different teams and, you know, you haven't been traded and, you know, the, the whole part of that, it, it, it's almost collegial, right? It's like, a, it's like a college atmosphere. This is your only team, right, that you've been brought in for. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the feeling I get uh, with this crew sometimes is, well, they are kids. I mean, they're just a bunch of kids and, you know, they, they really enjoy being around them like a, like a college team. Um, and then I think some of the, you know, like the, the Gary Harris's or, or even a Mo Wagner, you know, that have been around a little bit, I think they find it refreshing and they just kind of jump right in with them. Um, and you know, they're very, thankful to be be a part of it you know gary harris i think has had opportunities you know to go elsewhere but he kind of likes it here you know he likes the the vibe that they've got going how much do you attribute that like potentially to like these kids like maybe they don't know any better you know so they they're they kind of buy into that more do you think that it would probably still be the case if it was more of like a veteran team like how much do you think youth has to do with it I think it's a big part of it. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think, you know, the thing is, is when, you know, a veteran 
veteran teams, um, you know, there's, there's the, you know, there, you, you kind of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of looseness with this magic team. Right. And, and, and they make mistakes. Um, and Jamal kind of lets them play through it a lot of times. Right. Um, there's correction. There's always correction, but it might not be in the moment. Right. Whereas I think sometimes with a veteran team, the expectations probably are a little higher, um, both from the coaching staff management and uh, from each other. There's a little bit more, maybe a little bit more accountability, um, which I think is something that, you know, this Magic team needs to grow into, uh, accountability with each other. Um, and so I think, you know, that kind of changes it at times. Um, but, you know, I, I – you know, that's not to say that veterans team teams don't have fun. Um, but I, I just think there's the, the expectations and things change a little bit more. Um, so the Milwaukee, uh, every take for that Milwaukee Bucks team, the oldest team in the league, every, uh, every road trip, every game is a business trip, right? It, you know, and, um, that's kind of, where and that's where the magic need to get to with this young crew and they will i mean it just takes time yeah and that's something that you know jeff talked about as well is that uh there's you know they need to work on a little bit of their maturity with this group just in general right probably he probably meant more on the court stuff i'm not entirely sure but i think you can yeah. easily attribute to that right um yeah jeff i want to kind of shift gears again here when it comes to the magic looking ahead um when it comes to the off season ways that this team needs to get better and, and whether that is free agency, the draft or the players is improving at certain things. What would you say is you've got one thing that you can tell this team that you have to do and they'll get it done. What is the one thing you're telling this team they need to do before next season starts? They have to improve the shooting. Um, you know, that's, you know, you, you go through the years and I, you know, I made reference to this, you know, many times during the broadcast is, you know, we have guys that can, that can, you know, especially your three point shooting, right. You've got to be able to spread the floor. You've got to give Markel and Franz and uh, Paolo room, right. To operate. And if you look at the year, you know, Gary Harris was, you know, finished, I think fifth in the league was a, a 40 plus, you know, almost 43% from the three-point range. And next guy is Franz, right, at around 36. Everybody else is, you know, in that 33 to, you know, and lower. Um, you know, there'll be nights, you know, Jalen Suggs will hit four or five, right? But, they, you know, he's got – but he's still a 30%, 31% shooter. He got better, um, but he's got to get better. All of them have to get better spend the time we've got to get better there and if you're going to add to this roster um you know that's that would be my thing i i just don't the way the game is played now um it is just so hard um to win games when you know you have a you know four five six uh three point make deficit night in and night out you know you've given up you know, that many points, um, it's just tough. I mean, I, I really, you know, the magic improved on their production in the paint, uh, obviously got to the free throw line, you know, the top five in that area. 
which they've been in the bottom for forever, you know, in that category. Those are great ways to score. Um, but, you know, there, there were nights where this team played well enough to win. But, um, you know, these teams that are shooting 35 to 43s, you know, you come in, you make, you know, 14 and the, and, and the Magic make nine, you know, that, that's hard to overcome. So, um, you know, I think that would be, for me, is the, uh, would be the biggest thing. Jeff, last question here, and we'll kind of leave you with this. You were a part of that 95 finals team, spent a lot of time around guys, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway. What is your your personal favorite Penny Hardaway story? Oh, man, I love Penny. That, uh, let me give you uh, – so the first time I met Penny, and, and this is probably uh, – you guys have, have, have heard about this happen. So Penny, he came in for a visit, and then if you heard the story where he came in for a second uh, visit before the draft – and that was back when we could actually, there were enough of us in town, we could actually go to the gym and play. Um, so that's what he wanted to do. Um, and so we met, uh, all met at a little church uh, downtown. They had a church gymnasium. And we went in there, we were trying to be, you know, kind of secretive, I guess, if you will, <laughs> kind of find this little out of nowhere place. Um, and it was Dennis Scott, Scott Skiles was there. I think Nick Anderson, Greg Kite, there was just a bunch of us and some other people in town, uh, some college players and we played, uh, five on five. So the, my, my story is though, I was with Penny. And so, uh, you know, this was, uh, I, I'd come up and I'd set a screen for him, a little pick and roll action and. Um, you know, Penny would come off and I would do what Jeff Turner does. I, I pop to the corner, right? Uh, side pick and roll. I'd pop to the corner. Penny threw it like I was going to roll uh, to the basket and went out of bounds. <laughs> come down and do it again. And same thing happens, right? Same thing happens. And he's just looking at me like, what, what is wrong with you? And I'll never forget Dennis Scott, who was playing with us too. He looked at Penny and he said, Penny. JT does not roll. He pops. And, uh, and Penny just looked at me and I was like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want me to roll. And uh, sure enough, he was like, oh, okay. And then so the next couple of times down, he hit me with a perfect pass and you know, I'm in shot. But he was just like, you know, he was just trying so hard to impress uh, John Gabriel and, and, and the Magic Brass that he just thought I was sabotaging him or something. I mean, he was so mad at me until he figured it out. Um, I, I, another one I, I'll never forget. And this is now, remember, this is in 95 and everything. And, and so, or actually well, early, um, I think probably 93, 94, I guess, like we were getting ready for the playoffs uh, when we made the run to the finals. And I remember like sitting beside him during a film session and, you know, Brian Hill was, you know, talking and stopping the tape and pointing things out and everything. And I, he said something to Penny at one point and I'm sitting by Penny and I'm thinking, Ooh, that's not going to go over real well. I looked at Penny and he caught my stare and he looked at me and he said, I love this. 
he said, we never did this in college, you know? And I was thinking, I said, you didn't watch film in college? Like they just roll the ball out of Memphis and play and say, well, maybe that's what they did. I don't know. And, uh, um, but like, just like his wanting to learn, you know, just, uh, but that would just kind of, I just, you know, inside of me, I just kind of laughed. And then later on, I was like, um, you know, like, Penny, you really never, I just, I couldn't get over that. He's like, no. He said, no, we just played. I was like, okay. Awesome. It's like, so at Vanderbilt, we watched film, but that was different, I guess. (laughs) We couldn't just go out and play. We had to have a scouting report. Um, Yeah, Penny was, Penny was great. And it's like, um, and I I tell you the funny, I tell you another really funny thing. So keep going. (laughs) Oh, no, I just, so he, he will text uh, or he will call me every now and then. <laughs> but it's, it's only because he has heard a certain song. So for whatever reason, back during that time, when we were on a road trip and we would come back home, the first song we would run out to was Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. Right? You, you guys heard us? So yeah. we would run. We would run out and they'd be playing the boys are back in town, you know, the whole deal. And, and Penny was like, he, he just thought that was, he, he didn't know the song. And he, so and I was kind of just popping <laughs> around. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was singing it and, and he was like, so what's funny is he was like, what, what is it? And I said, we're back in town. Penny. We're, we're the boys. We're back in town. That's why they play this song. He said, they don't play it every game. I said, only when we come back from a road trip, (laughs) of course, and everything. So now like he's coaching, he's on a road trip and everything. He said, he'll text me and he said, the boys are back in town. I'm like, okay, there you go. I love it. That's amazing. (laughs) We'll have to make this a regular segment. Whenever we have you on, we'll have like, we'll have to have a a few uh, stories from, from back in the day. Cause that was awesome. Story time from Uncle Jeff. Okay. I like it. All right. So we will refer to you from now on as Uncle Jeff. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Uncle Jeff, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Hopefully at some point you're able to fully unplug from magic mode and enjoy the off season. And we are looking forward to hearing from you and David come what I guess it'll be October. You know, the first couple of like preseason rehearsals, I guess. Right. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, what's going to be interesting is like, do you guys think like, are we with Paolo, you know, so many wins rookie of the year, we're going to have some national TV games maybe, or, you know, is it going to be David, David and JT doing all 82? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so I guess I do have one more question. And so how does that work? I know if we go far enough in the playoffs, like you guys yeah. kind of fall off at some point, but how does that work during the regular season? Cause if there's an ESPN game and you guys are on Bally sports or Fox sports, I'm still watching you guys. I'm not watching the national <laughs> game. True. I think that they're allowed, like um, you get protected up to 20 games, right? Like, so, you know, if ESPN uh, or I guess maybe TNT just depends, uh, takes the game, then they've got exclusive rights and you don't, do the games, but they can't do more than, I think it's more than 20, I think is what the rule is. So, mm. yeah. Well, that's what. So, and then, it and then Jeff and, and David, all 82. All the and time. Then 
the other 16 games that we sweep in the playoffs and when the, you know, the way the way things are going maybe then we can just live stream me and david doing something or you know just do a, get a an lot alternative of broadcast how about that that's the new buzzword i right? promise you we would tune into that <laughs> the the like the manning brothers how they there do on go. espn monday night. You, you and david can do that you don't have that to have the feed necessarily we're just all watching along with you you got to telling <laughs> stories penny stories shack stories it, whatever you want to do it wouldn't be much different than our broadcast, probably <laughs> normal broadcast. We'd just be sitting there complaining about where we're sitting or something like that. So. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Jeff Turner, Uncle Jeff, thank you so much for joining the show, and uh, we'll see you next season. All right, guys. It was a lot of fun talking to Uncle Jeff Luke and those uh, Penny Hardaway stories, man. I could sit there and listen to those all day. Oh, you know he has so many, too. He's got so many stories, not just about Penny everybody else i know he's got you know pickup stories got to locker room whatever it might be i know there's a lot of stories in there and we're gonna get them out you guys best believe we're gonna get them out of him at some point you know maybe before the season whatever it is and we have them on next story time with uncle jeff that will become a regular segment when we have jeff turner on the show always appreciate jeff's time and yeah, that's really one of the biggest bummers for me. And one of the things that I get most excited for about like the first game of the year is like that first broadcast. Like mm-hmm. David and Jeff are back in my life for the next six months. Next year, hopefully that's seven, eight months, maybe mm-hmm. nine months. Who knows how long? Um, but yeah, not hearing from those guys for for quite some time is going to be a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, we have their phone numbers. We could always you know check up on them and, and see how they're doing. But uh, yeah, big thanks to uh, to Uncle Jeff. Always a lot of fun. Luke, let's go ahead and wrap it up with this. Let's go ahead and run the tankathon. Lately, you know, we started doing the the daily tankathon on social media. Hasn't been going all that great so far. I think most of the time, I think we're at three days. I think twice we've been moved down to seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that being said, when we post these, a lot of other people are sending them to me. Hey, I got the number one pick or whatever. So that is encouraging. Folks, it's only a 5% difference between last year and this year like think if you're going somewhere it's like oh there's a 95 percent chance or like there's a 90 percent chance you essentially feel like those are one and the same right you're going from a 14 percent chance to a nine percent chance that you end up with the number one overall pick it is not incredibly less likely this year that you end up with the number one overall pick again it's essentially one in ten a one in ten chance i can tell you a bit of a, a gambling man myself i've hit plenty of things that have like a one in ten chance of hitting in my lifetime so i have seen it we saw it happen last year i know it can happen but if you've forgotten just a quick reminder about the odds here the magic have a 37.2 percent chance of ending up in the top four and a nine percent chance of ending up with the number one overall pick i am looking looks like the bulls may hang on to beat the toronto raptors they're up by three with 17.9 seconds left so it's going to come down to the Magic rooting for the Miami Heat to beat the Chicago Bulls to keep them out of the playoffs, Luke. Is that how that would work, though, if they win? Chicago was, what, 10? So now they have to play the loser of 7 and 8. Okay, right. And the winner gets into the 8 spot, yes. Exactly. Um, So we're going to be rooting for the... We had to root for the Raptors tonight. We're going to have to root for the Heat. The the dirty, stinking Heat. The dirty, stinking, freaking heat. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll see. 
We still uh, don't know what's going to happen with these uh, um, Bulls odds here. I'm but uh, let's go ahead. I'm what? watching the end of this game here. Oh, of course you are. Kevin, Kevin, can you uh, can you can you mic in here and tell me if they called a foul on that uh, three by the Raptors? On the floor. Ew. So they're going to the line for two. Anyway, guys, uh, you guys know how this one shakes out. We will find out here shortly. Uh, but yeah, might be rooting for the dirty sink and heat to uh, to to beat the Bulls if we're doing that. So, yeah, we'll see. So we're still waiting to know exactly where the Bulls are going to fall in terms of lottery odds. But let's go ahead and sim the lottery here. And the Magic move down yet again to seven. Charlotte jumps up uh, into the top four here to the number Gross. one spot. Detroit falls to two. Houston at three. Washington jumps up into the top four. Washington at three. San Antonio falls three spots to five. Portland falls to six. And the Magic would keep the Bulls pick in this scenario. But the Magic keep moving down to seven. I don't really like that. But Luke, if we go back to, to last year, the Magic got screwed and screwed and screwed and screwed again in the tankathons that we ran. And then for the one that mattered, we made it happen. So hopefully made that's the case, Luke. All right. The score is in. The Bulls hang on. They beat the Raptors. So now, Jonathan, we we turn our eyes to the last part of the play-in where the Bulls are going to be playing the Heat. And we got to see who wins that game. The Heat, if they're able to uh, beat the Bulls, they'll, the, lot, the Bulls will stay in the lottery. Otherwise, it'll become pretty much locked in there. And then you just got to hope the Bulls lose in the first round. Raptors are garbage. Hate Which their fans. Will. Hate their team. They suck. Unfortunately, the Heat suck too, but fortunately, the Bulls suck too. This sucks. Whatever. All right. <laughs> we ready to wrap this up? I'm mad now. Yeah. All right. Folks, don't forget Lottery Party again. I'm going to keep keep bringing that up. May 16th, it is a Tuesday night. We are kind of honing in on the location here. Hopefully, in the next couple of episodes, we'll know the location. We'll be able to let you guys know where and when we are going to be. But don't forget... If you're listening to the podcast in the podcast description, if you're watching on YouTube in the YouTube description, you can find the link to RSVP for that. We're almost at 300 RSVPs, so it's going to be a great time. We're trying to get as many people as we can out to this thing. That is going to do it for this episode. Again, a big thank you to Uncle Jeff, Jeff Turner, for stopping by. And for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.